Francisco. Good morning, everyone. We've had a very, very busy morning this morning. But we are here, and we're rested, and we're in stillness and in calm, waiting to receive the word. Amen? Amen. So we have a couple of announcements for you guys this Friday. I know most of us uh, might be off and celebrating a day off from work, but if you are off and you're looking for somewhere to sow a seed to give back, you know, we did say to always look for opportunities to serve, even in the small things, because when you serve in even the smallest of things, God can bring you the biggest blessing. So there's an opportunity this Friday, April 2nd. Is that this Friday? Yes, this Friday, April 2nd at 8 a.m., we're going to be doing a cleanup here in our yard on our campus. It needs some love. It needs some care. If you guys want to show up, we do have a few uh, members showing up. Where we're getting a team to come and clean up the yard, cut the yard, get some branches, you know, make it look nice and presentable because this is God's house. This is our house. We respect it here, and it is surely a blessing to each and every one of us. So, guys, this is Friday at 8 a.m., please show up. We could definitely use hands, you know. So this is a place for you to come in and get uh, that little seed planted. Also, we've been announcing that on Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, next week on Sunday, Super Kids Jam Club, you guys will be having a in-house Easter egg hunt and an Easter egg party, a, a Easter party. And afterwards, we will be having fellowship for all families and kids after church also and we are asking and I think I forgot to announce this last week for Easter eggs the ones with confetti inside of it we have plenty and plenty of the plastic eggs already but we need um, the Easter eggs with the confetti in it the cascarones I didn't want to say it in Spanish because I was afraid I was going to butcher it but it's cascarones <laughs> But uh, we need those confetti eggs. If you guys want to donate, please donate. You can drop it off to any of the leaders here with Miss Angie. Um, and also candies. We have all those plastic eggs. So if you want to donate some candies, please donate some candies so we can fill all those eggs. And it's going to be a blessing for all the, the kids, you know, who are coming because we have Laredo Campus also coming to join us. So it's going to be an awesome celebration. Guys, stick around after service so that you can eat. Um, with all of us, and now that I said eat, each family, we're asking that we bring just anything that you want to make, kind of how the, la the ladies meeting um, organizes every one of their events. It's like a potluck, so you can make anything that you want to make, buy whatever you want to make. You want to bring pizza, you want to make mashed potatoes, bring it. We will eat all of it together. Um, <laughs> and that is for Easter Sunday next, next week. Um, then next Saturday, we have baptisms. Right now, we have 10 people signed up for our water baptisms. If this is something that you want to take that step over that line and join in and be part of the celebration, we really strongly encourage you to do so. There's no checklist to get water baptized. The only thing you need to do is say, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Savior. You're part of my life. Then you can get baptized you don't have to be perfect. Just come in. Once you accept Jesus, we will uh, answer any questions that you have at the next baptism class. And the class for Hebronville will be on Thursday uh, at 5.30 p.m. That's this coming Thursday, the, the second, I think, or the first. The first at 5.30 p.m. So if you want more information, you want to get signed up, there's an online link on Facebook. And there's also a sign-up sheet on the at the Welcome Center. 
Also, congratulations to everybody and thank you to everyone who participated in yesterday's fundraiser. It was a success, so thank you to all the team. Let's give them a round of applause because it was hot out there yesterday. <laughs> thank you to the team. We are that much closer to replacing the carpet. So we have one more fundraiser scheduled for the 16th in April. And with that fundraiser, we are sealed and we will be replacing this carpet by the end of April. So we're very excited for that too. So teams, we encourage you guys to, you know, just get motivated, get stirred, and let's continue building each other up. So children, right now at this time, you guys are dismissed for your classes. Jam Club, you are here in the hallway foyer. And youth, you guys will be collecting at 5.30 p.m. today. So let's go ahead and get ready to receive the word and experience life in a new way. Testing, testing. All right. Well, good morning again, now that I'm mic'd. Good morning. Oof, already lost half of you guys. We said it was good. Don't push it. Okay. All right. Uh, so we've been uh, looking at the series, or we've been going through the, the, the new series, um, looking at the cross, and uh, today's Palm Sunday, so we're going to do a little bit of, of teaching on sort of the background of Palm Sunday and kind of, you know, it's one of those things uh, most of us have known about Palm Sunday. I remember when I was a little kid and, you know, going to school, uh, well, not school school, but, you know, Sunday school, that they would give us little pieces of palm and then we'd make little crosses out of them, and yeah, we didn't know anything, but, you know, it was arts and crafts, so that was good. Okay, but what I want to do is, is give you guys a little bit of a background of, of what today, you know, what happened in the life of Jesus that, that we commemorate as Palm Sunday. I mean, why do, we even, why do we even remember it? I mean, there's lots of Sundays, you know. Uh, why, why Palm Sunday? And it turns out that Palm Sunday is, is a really big event in the, um, in the process of what Jesus was doing uh, you know, in, in the plan of God that ultimately ended up with him going to the cross. And so um, let's go ahead and start taking a look at that, and we'll get started. Come on, loosen up. Man, tough crowd. All right. All right, so let's, um, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 12 and verse 12, Gospel of John chapter 12, 12, and we'll look at some of the things that happened uh, during, this, during this period of time back in Jesus' life. 
open your iPads to the Gospel of John. So to give you a little bit of background um, while we're, we're waiting, uh, Jesus, you know, had just finished coming back to the, uh, with his disciples. He had been out on a, on a campaign, so to speak. He had been traveling through the countryside and, and preaching and healing and doing all these things. And then um, the Bible says that he decided to go up to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. Okay? Um, and so that's a, a very important holiday in the, in the Jewish tradition. I mean, for us, you know, we celebrate it as Easter, but while we're celebrating Easter here in, in Christian churches, uh, Jewish uh, people will be celebrating the Passover, which is the, you know, they're, they're very much tied together in the plan of God, but what we're looking at now, or what, what Jesus was celebrating at that time, was the time when the children of Israel were stuck in Egypt, and... Um, and what ended up happening was, you know, basically the, because of the words that came out of Pharaoh's mouth, the firstborn of every, of every household was going to have to die. And so the angel of death came over there, and what the Jewish people did is they, put the, the, they sacrificed innocent lambs, put the blood on their doorposts, and because of that, the angel of death passed over them, and they did not get that judgment in their house. All right? That is very much a picture of what happened with Jesus. Because, you know, because of his blood, we don't have to receive the penalty of the things that, you know, to be honest, the things that we deserve. Um, and because of that, that judgment passes over us. And so this is a very, it's a very important holiday for Christians. It's a very important holy day for, for Jewish people as well. And this is what, Jew, uh, what Jesus was going up to Jerusalem to, um, you know, the, the celebration he was going to go partake in with his disciples. Uh, we already know, though, that he knew something was going to happen this particular Passover because he had already told uh, Peter and some of the other disciples, you know, when I go up to Jerusalem, I'm going to be put into the hands of the Romans and I'm going to be crucified. So... People know this is a different, this is a different thing that's happening. And so as Jesus is coming in to Jerusalem, like he'd done many, many times before, this day is different. And so let's look at, at Gospel of John chapter 12, verse, verse 12. It says, The next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival, for Passover, heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. So they took some palm branches and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. All right, now what you need to take a step back and realize is that the Jewish people at this time were under the control of the Roman government, the Roman system. And what was happening was they believed that Jesus was the Messiah. But they didn't understand sort of the full plan of God. And so they thought that he was going in basically to, you know, plant his flag, start a revolution, and overthrow the Roman government. Sometimes, you know, not pointing any fingers, but sometimes we kind of want that to happen here. You know, oh, well, things aren't going the way I want to. The, what we should do is, you know, have a revolution. That's not, really the, that's not really the plan. That's not really the plan. The revolution already happened. It's just not in the way you think. So what happened is they're coming, and they're seeing Jesus coming, and Hosanna, 
it's got a little extra meaning in there that we don't usually, and it, it's, it's basically like, Lord, save us. But what's present, you know, sort of like you don't hear it in English in the translation, but the way, the, what the Jewish ear heard was, save us now. Do something right now. And they were celebrating, and they're like, the king is coming, this is awesome. And they were all excited because they felt like their redemption was close at hand. And it was, just, just not in the way that they thought. And so, uh, moving on, it says, Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter Zion. See, your king is coming, seated on a donkey, a colt. Uh, rather, a, on a donkey's colt, so a very young donkey. All right, so um, it says, at first his disciples did not understand all of this. Only after Jesus was glorified did they realize that these things had been written about him and that these things had been done to him. So now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they had heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, see, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. All right, so all of the people, you know, all of the regular people were excited that this was, this was you know, Jesus was coming, the Messiah was coming, salvation was at hand. But not everybody's happy. The Pharisees, the people who ran the religious establishment, not so happy. Okay? And... You know, it's funny because that, that same kind of thing is, is happening. And we see it happening around us every day. You know, God is doing something. Not everybody finds, you know, um, I, I know, you know, pretty much the heart of everybody in this church, you know, if somebody came in, you know, if somebody came in, well, this was before your time, but it happened in a men's group. We had literally, literally a drunk guy like stumble in through the door, came and sat down in the back. That's awesome. I know a lot of churches he'd have gotten bundled up and thrown out. But, you know, those are kind of the reasons why we're here. Okay, but like I said, not everybody, not everybody, um, not everybody is on, you know, has God's uh, plan really in mind, you know? So, Let's take a look. I'm going to take a like sort of one step further back and 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 uh, read you another, or from I should say another um, perspective of this same Palm Sunday. If you'll turn with me to Luke chapter 19, let's go to Luke chapter 19. And this is the same period of time. And let's pick it up, uh, let's see, let's pick it up at verse 35. So chapter, Luke 19, verse 35, and it says, um, it's a little more detail, he, the, this version uh, talks about how Jesus sent uh, some of his disciples to go bring him the, bring him the, the donkey, and uh, and so it says, they brought him to Jesus, they brought the donkey to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon its back, and they set Jesus upon him. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. Okay, so this is obviously, they are, they are 
um, announcing that this is someone important, okay? It says, and when he came close, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. Okay, so this isn't just the 12. This is all the people that have been following him. We just saw that in, in Gospel of John. So there's a lot of people there, and they're, they're all, I mean, he just raised the dead. He just healed the sick. He just fed a multitude of people. These are all the signs of the guy who's going to come and save us. Okay, so they're all excited. And again, it's the same, it's the same scene. It says, they, they began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, blessed be the king that comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the, some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke your disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you, that if they would hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. Okay, so this is a, this is a big deal. And I'm, I'm going to take a step back. This isn't, this isn't in here, but I mean, you, it's kind of a huge study, and I just kind of want to give you the point of it. See, what's about to happen, or what has been happening, Jesus coming into Jerusalem was prophesied. Um, Maybe one of these days, Pastor likes to let me do like an end time series where we go back and look at some of the prophecies and stuff like that. And I really enjoy doing that, but we don't have time today. Uh, but I'll just tell you, if you go back into the book of Nehemiah, it tells you exactly to the day, like on the calendar, Jewish calendar, but on the day that they began to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. The temple in Jerusalem had been destroyed. This is before Jesus was born uh, many years uh, the temple had been destroyed, and uh, Nehemiah was sent to rebuild it. And that day is recorded in the Bible. Now, if you look at the, at the book of Daniel, Daniel tells you that exactly the number of days that would pass between the time of the, the beginning of the rebuilding of the temple, in fact, the, the way it says in Daniel is, you know, a certain number of days from the day that the order was given to rebuild the, the temple, okay, so it matches exactly with what is the date that's recorded in Nehemiah. It says, so and so many days from that day, the Messiah will come into Jerusalem. Now, I don't know about you, but I hope if it were me and somebody said, you know, well, Jesus is coming back on, you know, November 15th, 2027, I would hope I'd remember it, like maybe write it down or something. But apparently, I mean, it's funny because you go back and, you, you know, you look in the gospel and it says that, that when he was born, there was only one lady in the, there was only one lady in the church, so to speak, one lady in the synagogue that was waiting, the blind prophet, if you remember, the blind prophetess, if you remember that story, she was a blind lady that when she saw the baby Jesus being brought in, she cried because she was waiting for the day. So very few people even remembered that so and so many days after this day in the calendar, Messiah would be coming into Jerusalem. But God didn't forget. And so right after this happens, let's look at verse 11. It says, and when he was come near, he beheld the city and he wept over it, saying, if you had known at least in this day, the things which belong for your peace. But now they are hid for you. 
he says, for the days shall come upon you and your enemies shall cast a trench around you and, and compass you around and keep you in on every side and shall lay you even with the ground. So he's prophesying all the things that were going to happen. And at the very end, it says, at the very end of verse 44, it says, and they shall not leave one stone upon another because you did not know the day of your visitation. All right? So Jesus knew this was going to happen, but he also knew that they weren't in the right, they weren't in the right spirit. They weren't in the right frame. They were expecting him to gather an army together and overthrow the, overthrow the, the, the Roman government. What they were not thinking of was that Jesus was going to come in and change their hearts. And what's really sad about all this stuff is if you, if you kind of know how Jerusalem is laid out, as Jesus is coming in from this direction, because it says he went down through the, through the, the, the uh, uh, Mount of Olives, he was coming, I mean, the Bible's real specific about where he's coming in, and the temple's over here. And so there, you know, if you imagine, it's kind of like us with the train, you know, we're having church here, and there's a lot of noise passing right by the outside. And the priests come out of the temple, and they're like, can't you shut these people up? We're trying to pray over here. God himself is walking through town. And the religious people are upset because they're making too much noise. That's sad. And that is why Jesus cried, is because they did not recognize the day of their visitation. You know, Jesus said, I'm coming to you. He made a promise. He always keeps his promises, and yet we're not always that faithful. And, and, and sometimes we get mad because God has his plan, and he interrupts our plan, and, you know, you know God, leave me alone with this. Can't you see? I'm, I need some help over here. It's the same thing the Pharisees did, you know. <laughs> stop. Don't you see we need things? We're praying to God over here. So stop with the racket, you know. Stop celebrating the fact that Jesus is here. We're trying to get something from God. I mean, come on, that one, that one hits me as much. Uh, it's got to hit all of us all the same. Because sometimes we get so busy doing things that we forget, you know, Jesus is right by. And, you know, what are we doing in the day of our visitation? All right, so... So, I mean, let's, let's take a look at what happens. I mean, as Jesus walks in, all these people are excited, all these people, because, I mean, it, the Bible doesn't say it like this, but it's kind of there, the subtext. He's there. They've got their plan, and they're all excited because they think that Jesus is coming to fulfill their plan. But Jesus had his own plan, and they, you know, they were not the same plan. And so what happens, less than a week later, holy, holy, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And less than a week later, crucify him, crucify him. That's human nature. You know, God is here, God is here. I have to do what? Die to myself? Crucify him, crucify Yeah. It's, I mean... It's hard because we live in a, we live in a day of, of hyper-grace. 
we live in a day of hyper, hyper grace. And what I mean by that is, okay, um, as a Christian, you know, we kind of, you know, I, I, I've been careful to try to take out any kind of, you know, judgmental, you know, still working on stuff. None of us is perfect. But, you know, we try to not be all judgy. But understand that that's a human thing. Just because we don't judge doesn't mean that God doesn't have an opinion. And, you know, we're living in an age of grace. But if you don't, if you don't accept Jesus, if you don't get on his plan, all that stuff is still going to happen. I mean, recognize the day of your visitation. He's not going to do it the way you want. So, you know, today we have this <laughs> we have this crazy this crazy split somewhere in the world where, you know, people don't believe anything that Jesus said. They, you know, they like they kind of take all the grace part and they don't take any of the any of the other part, and they think that that they're getting somewhere. That's their plan, you know. Oh, Jesus loves me. He's going to save me. That's you know that's good. Okay, it's true, but you remember what Jesus said. He cried because of all the things that were going to happen to them. He wasn't doing it. You know, Jesus did not destroy the temple. He said because they didn't recognize, I mean, if, if I could get, you know, a couple of things across to you today, one of them would be everything bad has already been judged, you know, so, you know, we already know that all these things have been judged. All we got to do is, you know, be on God's side, not, you know, it's funny because like sometimes they did it in this last election too. You know, oh, do you, you know, is, uh, is God on America's side? Let me help you. No. God was never on America's side. Okay, I'm, I'm a patriot. Don't, don't, you know, don't hang me yet. America is on God's side get it right, or, it, or they're not, you know, but God doesn't come here and, and, and say whatever we do is right. When we seek God, the stuff comes out right, and it's the same way with us as individuals. Is God on my side? Well, yes, but only if I'm on his side, you know. If not, then we get to that part where, you know, he sees that the road we're going on is going nowhere, and then all of a sudden, you know, what's left for him to do but cry because we didn't, we didn't recognize the day of our visitation. So we have to be really careful that we don't switch a relationship with God for a lot of nice-feeling rituals. I mean, um, uh, all right. Looking around, I think most everybody's married or in a relationship, something like that. So I think this will work. All right. You can't write a book, really, on, you know, how to love your wife, your husband. It doesn't really work like that. Okay? Guarantee you, I'm going to pick on you because you're sitting in the front row. Too bad for you. You know, so Lauda, Lauda gets the book. Did I just call you Lauda? Yeah. Sorry. Laudo gets the book. Sorry, I'm, I'm two steps ahead. So Laudo gets the book, and he's like, 
a good husband gets his wife flowers, and he walks over there, and he's like, here, flowers. A good husband says, you know, please and thank you. Uh, thank you. You see what I'm saying? Doing everything. Now, all those are good things, and you should do the, all those things. But if your heart's not in it, it's not the list. It's the heart. So just sitting there, I mean, come on. If you, you know, if you do do all the things that you're supposed to do, but your heart's not in it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's the, what's missing from that, from that relationship is the love. Look, if you love somebody, you will buy them flowers. You will say thank you. You will be kind. You will be nice. But just doing all those things out of a sense of got to do this, check, 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 there's no relationship there. Okay? And that is what a lot of people misunderstand about the Bible because it's not a book of rules. It's to kind of get you pointed in the right direction, and then you start have you need to have that relationship with God, where you let Him tell you what you should be doing right now. And because we're Americans, we don't like anybody telling us what to do. <laughs> Sorry, I mean it really. I mean we don't have this problem in other countries. In other, I mean I'm so dead serious about that. In a lot of other countries, you tell people, look. This is the way, do this, and it works. Boom. That's like all I needed to know. That's why you get miracles all over the third world countries, and then in America, it's like nothing, it's like, you know, chewing rocks. Why? Because, you know, we God's supposed to do it, because, you know, apple pie and the American flag, and, okay, all those things are good, but they're not, they don't take the place of relationship. If you don't have the relationship, the check boxes are not going to get you there. All right? So, really didn't mean to go that far into that, but I guess somebody needed to hear it. Um, the, um, but so what happens is we have, you know, we need to be aware that this is a relationship thing. It's a relationship with God thing. And sometimes we have our plans, we have our goals, we have how we think it needs to go because, you know, let's face it, everything in the world tells us you know, in this, in this natural world tells us that I am the most important thing out here. You know, what you want, don't care. I mean, if you can get what you want while I'm getting what I want, that's, that's okay. But I really don't care. And that's, that, like I said, that is, the, you know, look at advertising, look at movies, you know. I mean, you know what's really sad? Because I work in a high school, you know. What's really sad is how, is how modern teenagers understand love. And, you know, not judging them, you know, but I've heard more than one time, oh, I really, I really love him, I really love her because of how they make me feel. Okay, that's a little messed up because, you know, it's, that relationship is supposed to be like, how I, I mean, the important part of my relationship is how I make her feel. And that's, you know, and you have to, you have to be careful with that because if it's just, if it's just what I'm doing, or in other words, if I'm giving to get, you know, if, you know, Laudo brings Kathy flowers, sorry, dude, front row. If Laudo brings Kathy flowers so that Kathy will make dinner, that's messed up. <laughs> you know? 
because it should not be that kind of a transaction. You know, it's funny because I, this, this dawned on me, and, and, and to my wife's credit, she didn't kill me. But many years I, I told her, I don't need you. Yeah, see? Dangerous, right? We're walking on the edge. I said, I, I don't need you to do anything. I want you. If you never do anything for me, please don't do that. But if you never do anything for me, it's still, it's still my thing to love you. What she does in return is not my business. And that's, that's hard. That is hard for young people to learn. It's hard for old people to learn. That, you know, when you really love somebody, it's not about what they give you. Okay? That's part and parcel, but, it, you know, it's like I said, now, why am, I, why am I going into this? Because we understand human relationships, and sometimes we put God somewhere where he's not affected, but the reason why we have our human relationships is because he put that in there. And so our relationships with people are the closest thing we have to our relationship with God. Okay? So if you look at the Bible as a checklist, I got to go to church. Here I am at church. Okay, I got to tie. Let me see. One, two, three, there. Poof. If you're doing the checklist, it's the same thing. If you're doing that with your heart towards God, then it's different. If, you know, if she loves me, she does. If she loves me, she'll do things for, for me, but it's not about, it, again, it's not about giving to get. It's about a relationship. You know, good, that's dangerous. Okay, I'll say it anyway. All right. Good husbands try to anticipate what they want before they want it so they can look good. <laughs> if you're not doing that, pick it up. You know, like this morning. Just, okay, why is my jacket there? Because she might get cold. I don't get cold. There's my jacket anyway. Why? Because she's like, oh. My jacket's not warm enough. Here, take mine. It's warmer. I don't know why, because I don't use it, but whatever. Okay? All right. That's, that's the foundation of a relationship with God. If we, if, we, if we do this like Pharisees, if we make sure we do all the do's and don't do all the don'ts, and our heart's never in it, then we have problems, because we will never get to the place that Jesus wants us to go. Okay? We... You know, we're not recognizing that day of visitation. And then the stuff that's going to happen, again, understand that the world, the system, already under judgment. Already. You can't trust anything. Okay? Out in the world. You can trust God. So, you know, does that mean, does that mean, you know, um, and the Bible talks about that too. The Bible doesn't want you stuck in your house saying, you know, and he specifically says, you know, don't lock yourself up in your house and be one of those kinds, oh, don't touch that, don't taste that, don't, don't do anything, you know. Oh, I'm just going to be, you know, because then you get weird. Again, like the Pharisees. Like they, they can't even, you know, they can't even go and say hi to, to a sick person because now they've got to go take a bath. Okay. Didn't seem to bother Jesus. I mean, he was God, and he still hugged people with leprosy. You know, maybe he felt like that connection was more important. Maybe 
you know, maybe that perfect love would cast out fear, you know? And we, we really need to get to that point where what's important is what God wants because, you know, again, a, a lot of times it just seems like, like when God comes into our lives, he starts doing things and, you know, putting demands on us and stuff like that. And, and the world kind of wants to tell you a, a different story, you know, where, you know, uh, you know, put the fish on your car and go do whatever you want and Jesus will just run behind and bless it. Doesn't work like that. And, and like I said, if I could get something across, it would be the idea that, you know, whether we like it or not, payday's coming. And the trick is, you don't want to be there. You know, Jesus already paid for, he paid for all the dumb stuff we're ever going to do. Okay? But if I turn around, okay, so, you know, Sorry, dude, front row. It's all right, this one's better. You know, so I'm like, Laura, you know what? I think God wants me to give you my bank card. Oof. You know, if you ever need anything, knock yourself out. Okay. Not going to happen, dude, sorry. Okay. Okay. Now, if we have a relationship... He's going he's gonna to have that there, and, and, you know, he gets in a pinch, and, you know, then, you know, and, and, and you know, if he's a good guy, he'll, he'll use it like that. But then, you know, like one day I'm going through my statements, and 400 pounds of cheese, you know, 3,000 tacos, what's this guy doing? Okay, if all of a sudden he's just, like, taking advantage See, it's not really the point, because I told him, all right, but see if you, can, if you can take a step with me here. What's on that bill is going to tell me all about his heart towards me. Does that make sense? Okay. Ouch. Stuck it in there, and then just nobody noticed. That's the deal with God. If, if we really do love God, okay, look at all the things, okay, Let's, let, I, let's bring it back home before I go back there. If I really love my wife, the list of things that I do that hurt her should be getting smaller every year. Should be. Hope it is. Okay, I should be getting better at that. Because I'm not perfect, but I, that, that's the last thing I want to do. Okay, I'm going to be like, well, you know, the Bible says she's got to forgive me, so I'm just going to go sleep with this other chick doesn't work like that. I mean, if that's how you interpret God's grace, you're missing it. If that's how inter you interpret your wife's grace, you're definitely missing it. Okay? She knows I'm not perfect. I know she's not perfect. But we also, you know, we don't take advantage. Because if you take advantage, guess what? That, if you take advantage, that's proof that the relationship, the love really isn't in there. Okay? So, the thing is, what it is, is it, it's a reflection. You know, if you tell me that you're following Jesus, I mean, it's okay. I mean, literally, I could be following, uh, who do I pick on now? Uh, Yanis. Okay, if Yanis is in Corpus, and I'm in Laredo, and she starts going to Houston, I can still follow her, even though I'm far, far away. Okay? 
So I will be where she was if I'm following her, okay? Just because I'm following her doesn't mean I'm right behind her. It's the same way with Jesus. If I'm following Jesus, doesn't mean I'm perfect. I could be far from there, but I should be, I should be getting to where he is, okay? You see, because we have a whole lot of people, you know, so I'm here and Jesus is here, and Jesus takes a step and I take a step. And then Jesus takes a step, and I take a step. And if you ask me, I'm like, oh, no, I'm following Jesus. Yeah, you're not really. You're not really. You know, for, for two people to be, you know, to be in communion, for two people, I mean, they've got to be going in the same direction. I mean, it's like I said, I can be following her from very far away. But at, at some point, we should be getting closer. You know, if, if I'm following her, then I should be going in that direction. If every time you look, you know, she looks over and I'm like, I'm further and she looks over again, and I'm further away. And she looks over again, and I'm even further away. I mean, okay, I might be a nice guy, but I'm not following her. And that's what we see a lot in the world today is people like, oh, I mean, <laughs> some of the things I've seen, I, I, I've literally gotten off of social media, like, completely, nearly completely. Um, because, like, there's a, there's a part of my eye that starts to twitch when I see you know, some of the horrible things that people will write. Well, I hope you die and I hope you burn in hell and because of that and, you know, whatever, and you hate this. And, you know, they, they go blast you and then you look at their thing and it says, follower of Christ. <laughs> I'm thinking not. I mean, it's possible, it's possible, you know, but I'm, I'm having a hard time believing it. All right, so where am, I, where, where am I going with this? I don't know. No, I do, I do. I said, so where am I going with this? What's happening is every single day, every single day, Jesus comes to us, and we have to make that decision whether we're going to go with him or we're, whether we're going to do our thing. You know, the priests, man, they, they you know, and obviously I, I don't dislike priests, you know, but if they put their if they put their their form their their way of doing things their you know their checklist before what God wants, it's not going to work. And like I said, that that's where it really comes home to us. That's where it really comes home to us. You know, when Jesus steps into our life and he starts looking around, you see. <laughs> One of the things that happened right after this was he went to the temple. And, you know, I guess people forget with the, the soft, fluffy pillow Jesus that that same Jesus was the one that went in there. Oh, Jesus, do you love me? Yes. What are you doing? Making a whip. Why? No reason. You know, he loved those people, but they were doing wrong. Let me tell you a little bit about what they were doing just so you can get the, the picture. Okay, so they had, taken, they had taken, you know, the scriptures, which said you need to sacrifice a perfect lamb, you know, without spot or blemish. This was a picture. This was something that God asked them to do so they could get a mental, a physical image of what he was talking about that he was going to do with Jesus. Okay? So... As a, as a good Jewish person, you would go and you would sacrifice a perfect lamb 
And the priest would take your sins, put them on the lamb, and then kill it. And then you had no sin because your sin had been paid for with the animal's blood because God had decreed that sin was paid for with blood. All right, so this is a very powerful image of what Jesus was going to do, but some very well-meaning people, I guess, because this is how these things always happen. Nobody starts off being ugly, but they're like, you know what? What we can do like, you know, people don't have perfect lambs. They have, you know, street lambs, like whatever they found. And remember, people had to go all the way to Jerusalem to do this sacrifice. So what they would do is they would bring whatever lamb they had. And then they would get there, and they would take the lamb, and they would take, and they would, you know, they would give the priest their lamb, the priest would be like, no, no, take this lamb. This lamb's perfect. We'll take yours and, you know, pay us a little bit for the, for the, you know, the exchange for the fee, okay? Or also, if you were coming from another, from another country, you know, Casa de Cambio, there they were. I'm not kidding. Money changers, that's exactly what they were. And, you know, they would, they would take your whatever coin you had, whatever country you were from, wherever, you know, whatever you had, and they would give you... Uh, a coin, uh, a silver coin that is the only way you could pay your, your debt to the temple. In both of these things, especially the, the reason why I told you the lamb one first is the lamb one was really obnoxious. So what they do is they would take the lamb and they'd be like, oh yeah, no, this one's nasty. Here, take this one. And so you'd walk off with your lamb that the priest said was perfect and you go there and you do your sacrifice. Then they would take the lamb you just gave him that was no good, supposedly. They walk it through the little chute, and when the next guy, so as to not say sucker, walks in with his imperfect lamb, they give him the other guy's lamb. Oh, here's your perfect lamb. And so what happens with all this? I mean, like I said, you already, you're already seeing that that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty low. Okay, it's way worse. Because I was studying this one time and I got the idea that it had to be God because it's too weird. You know what? Imperfect lamb tastes just like perfect lamb. It does. Now, why is that important? Because, you see, after they would sacrifice the lamb, the priest would eat it. So the guy got what he wanted. The priest got what he wanted. The only one who got shortchanged in this whole mess was God. Because it was always about the heart. It wasn't about, why was it a perfect lamb? Because it had to be a perfect lamb. No, because it had to be your best. So you know what we can do? You don't have your best. You know what? Here, we'll give you the best, and it'll only cost you a little bit. You know? It's a way, yeah, it's a shortcut. It's a way to get, it's a way to get something out of God without it having to really cost you anything. I mean, not anything you really, really value. You know? I mean... You know, oh, honey, look, I, brought you, I bought you this dress. And she's like, oh, it's gorgeous. And you're like, I got it out of some guy's trunk. It was $1.50. <laughs> that may be not, you may not want to go there. Okay? Because it's not about the $1.50. It's not about how much you spent on it. Hey, if you only had $2, that might be a lot. 
But what I'm saying is that we've lost something when we think that just giving something as opposed to, as opposed to giving my best. I mean, if that's the best he could do for her, that's great. And she would probably, I mean, if there are some countries where a dress for $1.50, that's, you know, a week's worth of work. Okay? But if you saved, you know, if you saved $20 so that you could, you know, buy a new, uh, I don't know, what do you guys buy? Uh, a new sling for your rifle, some more ammo, whatever, you know. So you, you save the 20 bucks for you, but you spent $1.50 on her. You know what I'm saying? It, was that your best? Was your heart really in it? And, and ultimately, that's what we're, that's what we're talking about. When, when, God, when, when God asks you for something or when you get into that relationship with him, where's your heart in all of that? Because it's not really about what you gave. It's about was, was your heart in it? And that's why the woman who gave the two pennies was remembered for thousands of years because God was worth to her everything she had. All right? And that's really, that's really the, the part. So when, so when God comes into your life, it's great because, you know, you hear us preach it. Salvation is here. And then Jesus starts saying, well, you know what? You, you see this racket, that, you know, the, the, this racket you got going on here? That, that's not good. You got to stop doing that. And you're like, okay, duly noted, Jesus. And you keep doing it. And then he comes in a couple of days later with his whip, flips everything over, and starts whipping people. It doesn't even mean, it doesn't even mean that he's mad. He just needs it to quit. Because God doesn't change. What's happening, see, it really wasn't even, how can I put it? Like I just told you, the, the, the swapping out of the lambs, all it did was just, it shortchanged God. But see, it really didn't. Because God doesn't change. What it did was it shortchanged the people. Because what they were able to do was they were able to give something instead of something that meant something. And not having that costs the people. Because when they turn, see, if it's good enough for, you know, how do I even express it? If you go to give something to God and it's good enough, you know, eh, it's good enough, you know, okay? What happens is you miss the opportunity to make that deeper connection, that deeper connection that you know when you're in a hole and you can't get out, you know that there's somebody, you have a relationship with him that, you know, when you, when, you know, when you had it, he had it, that gives you that assurance that when he has it, you have it. Because that's the, that's the essence of covenant. And so what ends up happening is we lose. When, when we get used to giving God, meh, you know, whatever works, so we can check that box, we lose the opportunity to make that connection. I mean, you don't see it anymore. It was, it's funny that when I was a kid, this used to show up in so many different sitcoms where, you know, some guy would save some other guy's life, and then the other guy, you know, the guy who got saved was now like, oh, now he's going to act like the butler for the rest of his life. I don't know, that, I remember a lot of shows kind of have that, that thing. 
Okay, today, like you don't even see that, like people don't even think that way. Like you help people and they think they deserved it and that you should have been faster, you know? And the thing is, we, we miss that opportunity to make that deep level connection with God so that when you know that when you stick your hand out, he grabs it right then and there. Why? Because when the shoe was on the other foot, you know, you were that important, or if he's that important to you, you can rely on you being that important to him. And that's something that, that I learned a long time ago here. You know, the problem with being sometimey with God is that you reap sometimey. You know, if God tells you to do something and you take three or four weeks to figure it out, and I'm talking about after you know that he told you, you take three or four weeks to get around to it, guess what? You've just sowed three or four week turnaround time. Because that's how important it is to you, that's going to be how important it is to him. You know, unfortunately, that's, a, that's the nature of covenant, and, and it's a good thing to rely on, but, you know, that's the way, that's the way relationships work, you know? If you're standing in the house, parents, you know, and you call your kid to go throw out the trash, and you've got to call him like 12 times, you know, when they're standing at the car dealership, and they're like, Dad, I want this car, you're like, I'll get it in a minute. You know what I'm saying? It, the, the, it's, a it's a real relationship. You, we have to get to the point where we have a real relationship with God. Now, so I think we're kind of seeing the, the kind of the bigger picture of what happened with Palm Sunday. You know, that, that, that at the same time, while God is coming into our lives, we have the opportunity to be stuck on our traditions instead of going with what God's telling us to do. I was, I've got it here, but I'll give you the reference in case you want to look at it. But you can, you can write down Mark chapter 6 and verse 1. And you can write down Matthew chapter 15, verse 5 and 6. And you don't hear a lot of these scriptures, either one of these scriptures preached much today. Um, the first one, uh, Mark 6.1, said that when Jesus went to his hometown, it says he could do no mighty work. And some people will fight you over that, you know. Um, you can put Jesus in a place where he can't do anything for you. And it explains it right there. And then if you look at Matthew 15, 5, and 6, it's another, it's another uh, uh, thing that Jesus is addressing, but he says at the very end of it, at the very end of 6, he says, so you have made the commandments of God of no effect with your traditions. This is literally what's happening in Palm Sunday. Jesus is coming into town like was prophesied, like they should have been waiting for, and nobody caught it. Nobody waited. They were busy having church. They were doing church, you know? And so we have, we have a situation where where, yeah, our traditions, our way of doing things, you don't understand, this is just, this is how I do it. I'm not going to, oh, well, she's not here. Okay, so my daughter, 
man, okay, the one thing she inherited from me, like, in spades was, like, stubbornness. Um, and I'm like, I, I mean, I remember she was a little bitty. She was a little bitty. Um, and, you know, something happens, you know, when she's doing, and I'm trying to show her, like, no, like this, you know, do it like this. And she's yelling at me, I mean, because, like, it starts soft and then it gets loud because, you know, we're related. And, and she's like, this is how I do it. And I'm like, well, that's stupid, you know, and it gets, it, it, I'm not going to tell you the rest of the story, but, I mean, this is how I do it. I don't care. So, like, you can do it the right way or you can do it the wrong way. I mean, you could you yell at me if you want, but, you know, that's not how you do it. You know, if you add this number to that number, it, you know, that's not how you do it, you know. Um, if you've ever tried to teach anybody anything, it's really difficult when they don't want to forget the wrong way they once learned. Okay? That's God's job every day. <laughs> you know, what he's trying to do is he's trying to get us to do things the right way, and we're like, no, this is how I do it. All right. So those things, we can, we, you know, God has a certain destination set out for us, but with our own, you know, with our own, I can do it, and, you know, this is how I do it, and this is, you know, or to, you know, be a little more adult and sound like your TV, that's my truth. You remember? I mean, I'm young enough to remember, or I'm old enough to remember when truth was actually something that was true. Like, you couldn't just jump up in math class and yell that 2 plus 2 equals 5 was your truth because you'd get smacked. And now that's completely legitimate, you know? The problem is, if you try to build a building with that kind of math background, it's going to fall over, and then that'll be your truth. All right, let me get off that. Uh, it's not like the Bible said, do what a wise man does, and you get a wise man's results. But anyway, so looking at this thing as a whole, we have this picture where Jesus comes into our life, and sometimes we get busy with our traditions, with our way of doing church, with what God was supposed to do for me, and, well, you know, God said like this, and it doesn't always, like I said about the Pharisees, it didn't start from a bad place, but when God tells you A and you decide B, now we're going to have an issue, because only A is going to work, <laughs> you know, and so, and so we look at, you know, how does this, how do, how do we bring this to our own personal life? Well, hopefully, hopefully you kind of see the, the picture that I'm drawing is that Jesus comes into our lives, thank God, you know, after, after <clears throat> the new birth and everything else, you know, after all that, he can come into our heart every single day. You know, he can, he can come with us every single day. But when he comes in, you know, are, are we the kind that like, <laughs> you know, like in the morning we're all like, we wake up and we're like, you know, having our, our devotional time or whatever or praying and we're like, oh, Hosanna in the highest. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And after he tells you to do that thing that you didn't want to do and now you're all upset and, you know, by five o'clock are you like, you know, my whole life's a disaster. Crucify him. I mean, Jesus, at least, at least the Jews took a week. <laughs> Sometimes we don't even make it out of prayer time, you know? Like we're asking for, you know, we're asking God for something, and he's like, well, you need to forgive this one. And you're like, don't you, God, I'm talking about my bills here. Now, he's talking about your bills too. You just don't get it. Because salvation is at hand, but 
you want it your way, and God is not Burger King. Actually, I'm not even sure Burger King does that anymore. So, But if you're old, you'll get the joke. So, so as... You know, so as we decide to do what's, you know, as we decide to do our plan instead of what God wants, you know, there we are, locked up in our own church, you know, with ourselves on the altar, because when we do that, we make ourselves the God of our own life. And what's funny is, you know, I'm here because I literally 100%, you know, my wife was there to back me up. Um, I'm in church because I was the God of my life for some 20-some-odd years, and it was a disaster. You know, I really wasn't. that. I mean, I was a kid most of that time, but I think I took over for, what, maybe nine years? Yeah, where, like, it was, you know, I was out from under my parents, but, you know, I still wasn't paying attention to them or God. Yeah, so I, I did everything I thought was cool. So after I was broke and almost divorced and sick and stupid and everything else, um, I was like, well, you know, maybe God had a point, you know? So, you know, we, we really have to, you know, so, so that time comes and Jesus comes to us and we have to make sure that we're willing to go with his plan, not our plan. But the thing is, okay, that's not just a one-time thing. And that kind of really is the point. I mean, if I, was, if I was preaching to a whole bunch of, you know, people that didn't go to church and all that other stuff, we'd go in a completely different direction. But most of us have been around for a long time. Most of us have been in church a while. And so it's different because, you know, it, it, we kind of think about that, about that idea of Palm Sunday, of, of the Savior coming. You know, we kind of think of that as a salvation message, and it is. But it really has an application to us today. Because remember, those, the, people who, the people who got the most upset, the people who got you know, their tables overturned and whipped and everything else, the people who, who, who got irritated, they were all people who already supposedly knew God. So that's a little bit of a deeper truth. You know, so here we are today. You know, maybe, we've been, maybe we've been believers, followers of Christ, however you want to refer to yourself, for 15 years, 20 years, you know, and you feel like, you know, you've already, you know, like, in other words, this is not a new thing. You've accepted Jesus. Okay, but every single day he comes back and he puts demands on us. You know, his plan is for us to go from glory to glory, and sometimes we don't want to work that hard, you know, and so when he comes to us and we're like, you know, God, I, I know you want to do this, but I really would rather, you know, I'm not comfortable, I want to, you know, and God is good, so he will, he'll work with you through that. I mean, I literally, um, I, I remember specifically one, one instance where I knew for a fact that God told me to do something, and I told him, I'm not there yet, you know, I'm not saying no, but I got to work up to it, and and he was, you know, he was gracious to me. He did not, you know, flip my tables over. Because, again, it was a real relationship. You know, I'm, I really meant that. You know, I can't do that right now. That You're asking too much right now, God, but I'm going to point in that direction, and I'm going to believe that I can, you know. And, yeah, it only took a couple of months 
for me to eventually obey. But in the meantime, I had to get my, I need, needed to get my head wrapped around, you know, it's like I said, you know, you have, sometimes you just have to deal with yourself, you know. But the thing is, that's dealt with because today, if he asks for things like that, it's not a big deal. My mind's already been renewed. That's, you know, I have other issues, <laughs> you know, not perfect, but I have other issues. But, you know, God's working on them too. But it's, like I said, it's real, you know. I'm not just telling him, I'm not just telling him I'll be right there and then I never do it. You know what I mean? There's, there's a difference. Um, and so as we, as we get into those positions where God is telling us, you know, I need you to do this, I want you to do this, I've got bigger plans for you than you have for yourself, you know, you have to decide whether you're going to be the kind of person that, um, that submits and goes with God's direction or whether you're going to be the kind that says, you know, can you hold it down, God? I'm trying to do church over here. You know, can you please, please stop interrupting my prayer time with you, with your please go forgive that person, you know? Um, it really is, I mean, it really does become that simple. Um, and that's stuff that's happened to me before, you know, where it's not to the point, I mean, because I have been confused at some parts in my life, um, you know, as to whether God wanted this or that, Okay. But I'm not talking about those times. Like I said, God, God, you know, works with me because he knows I'm just human. But, but there have been some times that I know 100% I know what he wants me to do, and I still don't want to do it. And those are things I got to work on, you know, because then that, you know, there, I could say whatever I want to make myself feel better, but at the end of the day, I know it's disobedience because I know already. Um, so as... As we do that, what, what is our, if we find ourselves in that position, what do we do then? Well, what this has to do with is that whole, I mean, what we've been talking about this whole series is look to Jesus. You know, the fact that he was the sacrifice, I mean, it's not just something that happened to us back in the past and now, you know, now we're saved, that's it, you know, the the, you know, I was a sinner, now I'm saved by grace, that's good. But remember that Jesus is always there. He's always there. And so whenever you have, whenever you have that thing where, where, you know, like you have, I mean, in essence, what it is, is the part of you that you're holding back, you know? Um, I mean, I guess to, to, to put a, a story behind it, a, a, you know, a quick story behind it, um, one of the things that kind of hit me like that was uh, when I was a teenager, when I was a teenager, I had the, um, you know, um, I would go with my parents to different uh, uh, church events and things like that, you know, but um, there was a part of me that still, you know, I kind of wasn't into it exactly, you know, it seemed good, but I, you know, wasn't really kind of ready to commit. And in thinking about it, it was funny because I was like, okay, so the day that I say, okay, God, whatever you want to do, I'll do it. He's going to make me do a whole bunch of things I don't want to do. I mean, I literally 100% felt that way. Um, 
And it's funny because somebody talked to me. God, this was years ago, 1987. So a long time ago, I was talking with somebody at one of these church events, nobody that I knew, just one of the you know, ministers that was there at the conference at the time. Um, and he's like, so what makes you, you know, so what do you think God's going to make you do? And he's like, well, he's going to make me preach, and he's going to make me go to other countries. And I mean, I don't know what I was thinking, like some serious Mother Teresa type stuff. And he's like, do you want to do any of those things? And I was like, no. And he says, well, then I doubt that's in your future. You know, and he's trying to talk to me. And the funny thing is that eventually I ruined my life to the point where, like, I had to go ask Jesus for help because, like, I, the, I was too deep a hole. And since then, well, obviously I'm preaching, and then, you know, I have been to many other countries. But, you know, I didn't hate it as much as I thought I would when I was, like, 15, you know? And so it's funny that, that maybe some of those things that you are, that you are resisting are the kind of thing that, you know, maybe you would enjoy. You just don't realize it because you've never experienced that before, okay? So God's plans really are better than our plans. God's ways are really higher than our ways. And sometimes the reason why we don't, we don't want to go in that direction is because we can't, we can't imagine it or we don't think it's going to be something good. But I can tell you, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's not something that I can tell you, you would just have to take it by faith, that, I mean, I've been doing this for years, and I know a lot of people that have finally just kind of, like, committed, you know, um, and what happens is they, you know, I've never seen anyone regret it. That, I mean, that's really all I can say, is that there's things in you that you don't know are in you, and until something comes in and, and, and turns that switch on, you never realized, okay? You just never realize. And so, you know, like I said, just take it from people who have been on the road a little bit longer, that sometimes when God asks you to do something, there's a whole lot of, I mean, what I can tell you for sure, because the Bible promises that, if you do what he's asking you to do, that's where your health is at, that's where your answered prayers are at, that's where your fixed finances are at, that's where everything else is at, because his provision is waiting for you where he told you to, you know, if you, it's not that weird, you know, if you join the army and they ship you off to Iraq, well, guess where all your bullets and armor are? <laughs> you know, you can hop on the plane and go to Hawaii, but, you know, that's not where any of your stuff is. You know, all of your protection, all of your, all of your answered prayer, all of your provision, everything is over there, you know, under the, the, the heading obedience. And so as we, go through, as we go through life as Christians and things begin to seem like they're not working, you know, things, you know, we get bogged down. We don't see, we don't see, you know, nothing's happening, you know. We're getting tired. We're getting weary in, in doing the things that God told us to do. It's at that point that we can go back to the cross. I mean, it's there as an example for us literally all the time, you know, we're not perfect yet, but the, whatever imperfections we have, those are still nailed to that cross. So we can't really be thinking about, well, I was, I, you know, I was not a Christian. Now I am a Christian as if that's like a one-time event. This is something that we need to go through our whole lives over and over, constantly renewing, constantly getting, you know, that's why the Bible says that we're going from glory to glory to glory to glory. I mean, we're getting 
as we as we get rid of all the dumb stuff that you know the good ideas that we've picked up traditions that you know that we've picked up that you know may seem good but at the end of the day are making God's word to no effect as we get rid of all those things our lives will get better and better and better because that just you know God is able to to work in you all the things he's promised. I mean, it's like I said, you know, we act sometimes like the reason why good things don't happen to us is because God's not ready yet. But literally, everything God did, he did 2,000 years ago. And usually what, what the problem is, we need to get ourselves out of the way. You know, we need to get our traditions out of the way, the way we do things out of the way, and then stuff will begin to work. So... At the end, you know, I'm not, I hopefully that you guys are not taking this as a, as like a condemnation, you know, it's not supposed to be, but it is a reminder that, you know, every day as we go through this life and we pick up, you know, things that we do and habits and, and, and traditional thoughts that, you know, that we learned in school or learned from our parents about how we handle different situations, we have to be constantly vigilant that when God tells us to do something a little bit different that we don't tell him, you know, uh, stop making so much noise, we got this, you know? Um, because it's like I said, it's at that point that we choose to walk with our traditions rather than walk with God. And, you know, just to kind of go back to that point, we miss the day of our visitation. Jesus showed up to help you with your problem, but you wanted to do things the way you wanted to do them. And so, you know, you got the results that, you know, you got to the place you were headed, you know. And so we have to be careful that when God comes along to change our direction, that we're sensitive to that and just do it. So, you know, it's, it, like I said, it's kind of funny because it's like I said, even, even the Jewish people took a week, you know, to, to, to go from, you know, calling Jesus their Lord to saying they wanted him crucified because his ideas were not their ideas. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, I've, I've felt like that in, 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 a, in a single day, you know, where you get up and you're like, you know, let's go, Jesus, let's take over the world, whatever, you know, like you hit it like 110%, and by lunchtime, you're like wondering if you're still saved. You know, it just, just happens like that. You know, and it's at that time where you, you got to turn back around and say, look, all I've got to do, all I have to do is drop what I've been doing and go with Jesus. So, like I said, that's, that's my, non, my, my non-traditional Palm Sunday message. I'm sure, I'm sure in other places they're teaching different things. But it's like I said, that's, that's kind of, you know, with, with, um, with the things that were on my heart to talk about today, I think... You know, I think that's a message that is, that is something that we all need to hear, that as we, as we think about Jesus and his sacrifice and his, you know, what he's doing uh, or what he's done for us, we also have to remember that it takes constant adjustments on our end. You know, um, the relationship that my wife and I have now is very different than the one we had 33 years ago when we first got married because we've changed, you know, we, we've been trying for all that time to do things better, to get, you know, get in alignment, to, to be on the same page, and, and that takes time, and it's, like I said, it's literally the exact same way with God, 
as we continue to walk with him, you know, he doesn't mold to us, okay, but we do have to mold to, to the way he does things. But thank God he does, you know, he's faithful and just to listen to us, to bear with us, to help us, to, you know, thank God he doesn't give up on us because, you know, we're all, you know, we've all, I'm sure we're very frustrating to deal with, you know, because, um, you know, we think we're all adult and we still act like kids, you know, um, the, you know, when God tells us to do something, yeah, I've practically thrown a tantrum sometimes, you know, and that really is just, that's what he makes available to us is that constant renewing day by day that we can go back and say, okay, God missed it again, but let's, let's go one more time. And you can take advantage of God's grace. Again, as long as your heart is pointed in the right direction, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll put up with your, <laughs> your mistakes, with, you know, your, your not agreeing with him. With, you know, basically, if your heart's in the right place, he'll just he'll deal with you over and over and over, you know, just like we do with our kids. Our kids don't, you know, don't get it right the first time always, you know, like they start learning how to walk. We don't yell at them when they fall down. We encourage them and we get them to try again. That's what, that's what a father's love does. You know, that's what a mother's love does. And that is how God loves us. You know, we, we have to make sure that we are making that adjustment, that our hearts are in it, or that our hearts are in the relationship and that we're not just seeing this as a, a list of, of checks, of do's and don'ts because then the heart's missing. So that said, <clears throat> let's kind of take this home and, and think about, you know, as we go into Easter week next week, that really is, you know, the highest celebration of the Christian calendar. You know, it's the remembrance that Jesus saw that we couldn't do it ourselves. And so he stepped in to be the bridge that we needed. We never would have reached God on our own. We never would have been good enough. But he stepped in and paid that price for us so that we could, you know, we could get to God. You know, in that, in that cross, in that exchange, you know, just like with the story with the lamb, in that, in that uh, instant, God took all of the, all of the sin, all of the, 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 things that we have done and took those and placed them on Jesus and took the righteousness, God's, the fact that Jesus had never sinned, had, had always done the right thing and God took that righteousness, that right standing with God and placed it on us even though we didn't deserve it. You know, that's not just a one-time thing. That's something that if you let it will renew your heart every single day. Because too many times we get bogged down in what we've done and, and, and those kinds of things and understand that if your heart's in the right place, God will wash it right off and just tell you, you know, I realize you didn't make it. Stand up. Let's go again. And he'll do that every day for the rest of your life. So that said, um, let's just pray for a minute and and. and and receive that word into our hearts. Um, you know, that it, it, it would change us, that it would give us some kind of a, 
some kind of a revelation that we can go into next week, into Easter week, um, knowing that God really is our Savior, that He really does um, want to do what is, you know, what is right for us. Help us get to that place where all of His promises just flow freely in our lives. Dear Father God, we just thank you for the word today. We thank you for the revelation of, of just how good you are to us, how, how your love is able to, to overcome any obstacle, even the ones we put up. We just thank you, Father God, that as we, as we take that, that message or take it into our hearts that we're going to be able to get softer hearts, Father God, to, to not be so stubborn, to be able to listen and, and put down our way of doing things and the way we think it should go and what the world has told us is the right way and just say, you know what? I realize that all these things sound like really good plans, but I'm just going to set this down, walk out of this temple that I've built, and I'm just going to walk with Jesus. Father God, we just thank you for that, that revelation, for that, for the opportunity to, to just take a step back from, from our lives and the things we've made of it and just open the door for us to just walk with you and receive your blessings in fullness, Father God, in this life. We just thank you for it, Father God. In Jesus' name we pray. Well, I hope you got something out of it. Like I said, I, I, I think it's, um, um, these were some of the, some of the things that, that uh, you know, Pastor had on his heart and I had on mine to, to, to kind of share with you as a, as a preparation for Easter. So, like I said, hopefully you, you'll meditate on some of these things and, and they'll, um, they'll help you understand, you know, God's heart for, for us. Um, I don't know that, um, let me see, uh, I don't have that we have any announcements right now, so um, I think the, uh, what we'll do is, um, other than the, the ones that, um, that uh, Kathy gave us, um, what I'll tell you is that um, uh, obviously we're, we're, still, um, we're still in the, the season where we're trying to uh, help the folks in Cuba, uh, we're you know we're reaching out to those uh, that community that's struggling right now. We're literally standing in the gap for them to help uh, meet their meet their needs in this really critical time for them. Um, and so, if you're interested in in doing anything and being a part of any of the outreaches of the church, uh, there's the uh, uh, the online giving. If you're interested in giving uh, here in person. Uh, there's envelopes where you can raise your hand and our ushers will take care of you. But again, this is just part of, this is just part of partnering up with God and doing things, doing things his way. Um, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do any more teaching on, on, on giving or tithing or any of those things, but just to tell you that, that that's one of those things. That is one of those things that, um, you know, sometimes you say to yourself, and I guarantee you I've been there, um, where, uh, where you say, God, how could, I, how could I do this? You know, how could I give an offering? You know how much need I'm in. Um, 
And what happens is we, you know, we forget that the way God sees that is as seed. Okay? If a farmer were in trouble and all he had was some seed, the best thing he could do with that is not eat it, but plant it. Because if he plants it, he'll get a harvest and then he'll have more. And so it's one of those things that it doesn't make sense on the, uh, you know, doesn't necessarily make sense on the way in. But again, most of us have learned if we keep doing things the way we do them, you know, the ideas that, that, that make sense to us doesn't really work all the time. So I urge you, you know, give God, um, give God a chance, you know, uh, do things his way. <clears throat> and you'll see that, you know, when you do things, when you operate in God's way, his blessing, his, you know, his salvation was at hand going back to the to what we talked about you know when we do things God's way they were upset that you know the people got upset because he thought Jesus was going to put together an army and he didn't but what he did set them free at a much deeper level than any army would have and so it's like I said sometimes we have to set set, set aside our way of the way we think God's going to solve the plan and just trust that that, you know, um, it doesn't make any sense all the time to imagine that the way to get your country free from an occupying force is to go out in the street and praise a guy sitting on a donkey. And yet, that's, how, that's what ultimately did it, you know? So, um, uh, do we, I forgot how we do it, uh, because I've, I've been giving online now. Do we usually do it on the way out? Okay, so um, we're going to go ahead and pray for the offering. And um, and I guess we're still following the, the distancing rules. So if, as you do that, uh, if you've got your offering in person, as we leave the building, you can um, deposit it there in the uh, offering bucket on the way outside. Uh, but let's just go ahead and, if you don't mind, let's uh, stand to our feet and we'll pray for the offering, pray for the service, pray for ourselves. Father God, we just thank you for the for the word. We thank you for uh, revelation knowledge, Father God. And we thank you for the opportunity to give into your plan, into your work. And we just believe, Father God, that according to your word, all the seeds that were sown in love, Father God, we receive them back into our lives, multiplied 30, 60, and 100 fold, Father God. Just like, like, just like good seed planters, it's not just about planting, it's also about harvesting, Father God. And so just we just declare that all of the seeds sown in love, Father God, will multiply and and uh, go back into the hands of the people that sowed them, Father God, because we believe above everything else that you are not mocked and that those things that, that uh, we sow, we shall also reap. We just thank you for that, Father God. In Jesus' name we pray. Father God, we just lift up the congregation and we bless them this day and the that they have the rest they need this week to get started again on Monday. And we just thank you, Father God, that you watch over us and protect us as we travel back and forth today. We just thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. You are dismissed.